taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we step into the arena of ideas. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. We take up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. Uh, this is yours truly, Brian Shilton, and we're joined by the one and only uh, Curtis Evelo. And if you're joining us live tonight, you'll know that we are about 15 minutes later than what we normally are. And... Um, <laughs> You know, Curtis, I may have uh, received a Ph.D. in theology and apologetics, but they didn't teach how to light uh, a gas fire pit, uh, not fire pit, fireplace. And so uh, we were trying to uh, light that thing up, or at least, you know, we were, my wife and I were, and uh, <laughs> had a bit of problems tonight. <laughs> so between that and getting everything ready, uh, I, I, all I can say is that this must be a good podcast tonight. The Lord must be going to, he might, must going to use it because we had all kind of obstacles trying to get this thing rolling tonight. So, uh, we're, we're glad that our Facebook audience is with us live. Our YouTube audience is with us live as well. Uh, if you're listening to the recorded podcast, we do encourage you, uh, to join us live. And so if you have any questions, we can't promise we'll respond to them immediately, but we'll look over them and uh, try to catch them at the end of the podcast when possible. So Curtis. How you doing, brother? You've been traveling quite a bit, my understanding is. Yeah, yeah, we were actually, uh, I was actually preparing everything, um, uh, getting everything set up so I could record live right from uh, the uh, ranch, my dad's ranch up there in Roundup, um, so we could be doing that because we were over there, and uh, but just uh, due to some unfortunate circumstances, um, uh, dad had to leave, uh, today to head back over to South Dakota. So we, uh, we all just decided, well, we'll just head home, uh, and try to make it here, uh, in time to be broadcasting. And we made it home in, uh, an hour, hour and a half before we went live. So yeah, I'm wow. just fresh off of the road and <laughs> we yeah. are going to call you the ride. official road warrior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been good. It would have been fun to do it from there because I would have been doing it and uh, right as the sun was starting to go down over there and uh, been out on the back porch and you'd have had a whole different ball of scenery uh, than than what you have here. So, Hopefully maybe that will work out one of these days. Uh, Yeah, one of these days I should probably just do it live outside right now, you know, one of these times like this. So, Beautiful Montana. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, well, you know, and your skills about your skills with lighting fires. I mean, it you know, it is a challenge, I guess, in modern day, how to figure out how to light a fire. We know if it's regular, <laughs> a regular fire pit, you got your logs and you got your, you know, you come out there with a match, with a lighter. I'm game. I could get that thing going, and I, I can make a pretty fire on a regular fire pit. But when it comes to these gas logs, trying to get that uh, igniter, we call them the piezo button or whatever you call them. Uh, that thing is a whole other story. Uh-huh. But hey, we got it lit. We had a beautiful fire. Uh, so we're, we're now ready for the winter time. Uh, so 
Yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah, we got home. And yeah, it was I cold did enough. think I was going to have to get a PhD in uh, fireplace <laughs> mechanics by the time it was all done. <laughs> uh, just YouTube it, man. That's what everybody else does. Well, you know, the problem was we did. <laughs> and it still was. Something about, uh, I guess it just takes a little while for the that? gas to catch up to. <laughs> it finally did. I'm just, oh, so, my goodness. I've been told I'm full of hot air, so I'm surprised we didn't blow the whole thing up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Where's that going to go now? <laughs> so, this, this, uh, this. Series. Folks, this that is we're why doing. you gotta catch the YouTube yeah. account to see Curtis's expressions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So trying to ignore it. Uh, so this <laughs> so, so this series um that we're in, um the with the the gifts with the Holy Spirit with, with pneumatology, we've gone through some pretty um uh, potentially in-depth uh, conversations about who who the Holy Spirit is and and his function and what what goes on. But now, today we're going to get into talking about how uh, he interacts or relates with us and 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 motivates us in in certain things and certain aspects. So um, today on episode five of this, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Brian, let's just jump in and and just go for it. And uh, what are we talking about when we speak on the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Then, so we find as we look throughout the passages, the pages of Scripture, that God gave certain individuals throughout history um, gave him gifts. I mean, when we think of Samson, he gave him the gift of strength. Uh, he gave Solomon the gift of wisdom. Um, David leadership skills. I mean, as he was a wonderful man, a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we say wonderful, he, he had a lot of sin and he did a lot of things wrong, but you know, he was still a man who sought to do God's will, not always successfully, but, but, uh, he did try. Uh, when we look at the modern day, days after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit indwells mm-hmm. us, fills us, tabernacles with us, uh, mm-hmm. the Spirit of God, provides each of us different gifts. Now, we could even talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but that's the evidence of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit in our lives, that being love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. That's evidence mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But the Holy Spirit also empowers us and equips us with certain gifts and abilities to do ministry in this day and time. And I've been quite critical, uh, and it's it's not that I'm against strategies uh, in modern times, but the problem is is that if we forget that this is a spiritual work, then we're mm-hmm. going to miss the boat. We can have all the strategies in the world to try to reach people for Christ, but if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, directed by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and if we quench the Holy Spirit – uh, then we're not going to find much success. We have got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And in understanding that, we we have to also understand the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us and to use those uh, for the glory and honor of God. Now, we've mentioned before, uh, I have the honor and privilege of being called doctor this this season because as of September 29th, the degree was conferred, my doctorate degree. But... 
as I've been writing reflections on my web, on the website at Bellator Christie, not everyone's called to do this. This was a calling God gave to me. Sure. And that doesn't mean that my calling is any greater or any less than anyone else's. It just simply means that this is a calling God's placed upon me. I feel he's given me gifts of teaching, preaching, shepherding, counseling, things of this nature. Other people may have other type of gifts. And so it's important to know what our gifts are uh, and to use those gifts for the glory of God. What's interesting, just kind of want to back up to the beginning part of that when you were talking about um you know, you're talking about methods and, and systems and things like that. You're talking about how we function um, in a church setting or how we function um, in our day-to-day. In day-to-day. Uh, okay. I mean, and, and we're going to go over some of those right. gifts that God gives us. Perfect. But I think the gifts that God gives us, that the Spirit gives us, even exceeds uh, the things listed in scripture, because it may be that, that God gives us a knack and ability to communicate with certain individuals that other people don't have. I mean, I see it, uh, with, um, chaplaincy work. I see it with pastoral mm-hmm. ministry. There are certain people who've gone through certain things who can identify with uh individuals better than other people can and hey i gotta give a shout out to uh my man philip atkins uh, one of the deacons at fellowship missionary baptist church he just uh, chimed in said he's listening to us from home tonight and good to see philip with us tonight good good okay well that's good because um i'm I'm glad you kind of broadened that a little bit because that's that's something that i think is uh, necessary to understand because what i've seen in life in visiting and talking to many people is they can go through either seasons or complete walk with Christ and never be moved by the Holy spirit because they're functioning in such a, um, how do you, I don't want to say, I guess you could say wooden or, or more of a literal walk and they don't rely on the Holy spirit's walk, even though it says in there, when God says, hey, you ask for these gifts, I will give them to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's where it's important to uh, have daily devotions with the Lord to walk in the sure. spirit and to and to truly seek out those gifts. I th- but I will say this. I think that God has given every person of faith a spiritual gift. Everyone mm-hmm. out there listening to us today has a spiritual gift, but their spiritual gift may not be the same as Curtis Evelo's and it may right. not be the same as Brian Chilton's. And, you know, and even between us, Curtis, I know that you hold a different set of gifts than yeah. I, that I don't have. Uh, I was talking with a guy the other day who was talking about he rebuilds cars. And I yeah. told him about the, the work that you do and yeah. uh, building ATVs and building things as you do. Mm-hmm. I don't have that gift and ability. I mean, I know that, that is a, right. That's a mechanical gift. That's mechanical ability to be able to make something like that. That's a gift that not everybody has. And so even with something like that, I think it, it exceeds past just some of the gifts we're going to talk about tonight, even looking at even some of the things that, um, you know, functions we have in, in everyday life. I mean, if someone's, if someone's car breaks down on the side of the road, they'll want to call you. They won't want to call me. Yeah, uh, but if someone wants to know something about systematic theology, you know, they might want to call me. I don't know. 
<laughs> Hence but, why uh, this podcast but, is about theology, because <laughs> we're leading <laughs> off of your, what you're doing here. <laughs> but yep, I mean, yep. just to simply say, I and mean, it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. It right. just simply means that God has given us all different gifts and abilities so that we can reach different people right. for his kingdom. And that's one of the things I want to emphasize tonight. And I'm not sure if yep. we're going to cover this or not, but uh, it's important. That's why it's important that we as a body of Christ come together and work together because we function a whole lot better if we're cooperative and work together in harmony than we do if we work apart. Yeah. Yep. Um, because Christ is, has designed it. We need each other. He hasn't given yep. everyone. Everyone can't excel at every gift. Yep. Uh, that's why we need it. We need each other. Yep. That's what Pastor Lynn always, always used to say. You know, everybody wants to be the eyes or the, or the, or the ears, he says, but, and the mouth. He said, but what about the toe? The pinky toe. Nobody wants to be the pinky toe and the pinky toe doesn't want to be the nose hair. So. He would just well, and, and it's interesting you said that because about the pinky toe. I knew a lady who had to have surgery and have her pinky toe removed. And she said it was difficult to walk straight yep. after yep. that. Yep. That one little toe, as yep. insignificant as it may appear, set the yep. whole her whole body off where she couldn't walk right afterward. So yep. we all need True. each other. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean uh man it's it's just funny how that how that stuff kind of comes about and pastor lynn would always say you know nobody wants to be the nose hair but somebody's got to be you know so <laughs> lord um, i hope that's not my spiritual gift to be <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who decides uh which individual uh receives each gift well here's the beautiful thing about it we don't decide this. The Holy Spirit right. of God does. And right. so God gives us, grants us these gifts because he knows uh, our, our calling. He knows who we are. He knows who we've been made to be. And right. he knows the situations that we'll even be in. And, um, you know, I, I ascribe to the Molinist perspective. So I believe in middle knowledge. And that is that God knows what we will freely do. But I also believe in foreknowledge, complete foreknowledge, in that God foresees all the things that's going to happen. So working together, mm-hmm. um, God knows who we're going to meet. He knows the conversations we're going to have. He knows he, he puts people in our paths and puts us in other people's paths. Uh, to meet each other's needs. So mm-hmm. it's all about uh, following the Holy Spirit, following God, and uh, and using those gifts that he has given us to glorify his kingdom. Yeah. Amen. So can we have more than one uh, spiritual gift? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and some would even argue that we have uh, may have actually all of these gifts to a degree, but we excel at certain gifts sure. more so than others. Sure, and I think there's something to Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, so everybody has these gifts to a degree, but it may be that we excel in the gift of prophecy or that Mm -hmm. we excel in the gift of exhortation or that we excel in one thing or another. Um, But, um, you know, one gift I don't see much people have, I don't see very many people have, is the gift of patience. I don't see that gift going on nowadays very far, very much. (laughs) <laughs> that is that is a yeah, and, and, and there again, yeah, that that would be one of the fruit 
that's a fruit that we desperately need in this time is the, mm-hmm. is the fruit of uh, patience. And you could even say that would be a gift too as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, I'll even just touch on this. Not only can we have more than one gift, but our gifts can change over time. So, and also circumstances. So like there's been conversations that I've had with certain types of people that I've been able to actually speak clearly about God to them. And I know it wasn't me doing that because I oh, absolutely would have. And I know that I, at that moment, the Holy Spirit gave me the ability to be able to speak what I needed to speak to that person that actually touched that person in the spot that needed to be touched. Because otherwise, every other conversation I've ever had with them has never bore any fruit. It, it was just the way that particular conversation happened. The spirit came and, and took care of that. And, it, and it, you know, maybe sometimes it's it's something uh, in an emergency, maybe, maybe a spiritual gift of being able to, uh, um, you know, think clearly and be able to process a, 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 a situation and be able to organize it in their head and be able to help um, people get out of situations. That's, that's a gift that's just given at that moment. Absolutely. And that's what Jesus even tells us would happen, that, uh, that he would give us, the Holy Spirit would give us the words that uh, needed to be said at, at whenever, whenever we need them. And so, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then uh, let's look first at the, at the spiritual gifts um, in Romans, Romans 12, uh, 6 through 8. Okay, so six through let's actually back up to verse three. Uh, For by the grace given to me, Paul writes, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should, than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So even the gift of faith is a is a gift mm. given to us, uh, and so it's given to each one. So now, as we have many parts in one body. And all the parts do not have the same function. Now, here again, we talk about the need we have uh, for for one another. We, mm-hmm. we need one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so according to the grace given to us, he goes on to say, uh, we have different gifts. Well, let me go back to verse, verse 5. We don't have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Hmm. So, so what, is, uh, what is the gift of prophecy? Prophecy has been looked at by many different individuals. Uh, of course, in when you look at the Old Testament prophets, you, you see that prophecy can talk about foretelling. Mm-hmm. But there's an element of prophecy that many people miss that was really, quite frankly, the primary function of the prophet, which is foretelling. So you have that future element of foretelling, but they were actually more along the lines of being foretellers. Warning people about uh, the sins of the time, warning people if they see someone going down the wrong path, 
God inspires them. They're able to to give corrective instruction to people in need. Uh, and so this is quite honestly what the gift of prophecy is. In many ways, is comparable to modern day preaching. Uh, prophecy is, uh, but that foretelling aspect of prophecy is that way. So, uh, if, if you're a person, you're able to see, um, and this kind of goes in along the lines with discernment as well. Uh, I think that's one of the gifts we'll talk about. Yeah, it is a little bit later on. Uh, but you, you may see certain things going on. You see the warning signs and you're able to, uh, deliver a message telling someone whether that's, However, whether that's a message spoken on Sunday or whether that's uh, just simply having a conversation saying, hey, I love you. I see this thing going on. You're -hmm. you're heading down the wrong direction, Mm -hmm. but you're able to give insight and direction to assist someone in their time of need. Uh, That's the gift of prophecy. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't exclude being able to 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 speak of something that could be to come. Oh, sure. Really, prophecy, what it is, is it's hearing a message from God and delivering it to someone. Uh, essentially, that's, that's what it means. And so, if God delivers a message and, and gives you uh, insight as to something that's going to happen, um, most certainly that could, you know, that could be the case. Um, so, I mean, we see in the New Testament that there were even New Testament prophets mm. in that time. Um, so, it's, but essentially, I mean, you can have that foretelling aspect, but really, uh, the primary function of even the Old Testament prophets was really more of a foretelling aspect. But essentially, bottom line, being the prophet, uh, having a prophetic voice, is hearing a message from God and delivering it to someone mm-hmm. in need. So, what is the gift of service then? This is an interesting gift. Uh, have you ever been around someone? <laughs> Who can um, just see a need and and be able to point it out quicker than anyone else can? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain individuals that have that knack of service, uh, and, and it gives them great joy to be able to help someone in their time of need, uh, to be able to just to really step in and and really help out. But it, I think it goes deeper than that. I think it goes to that gift and that ability to be able to see needs, see the needs of an individual and and do what it takes to, to, to meet that person's needs. And not everyone has that gift. I'll be honest, uh, to be quite frank, my my measure of the gift of service is lower on the totem pole. Uh, most times whenever I take spiritual inventories, but my wife now <laughs> is the exact opposite. Uh, she, she scores really high on the gift of service. Uh, and I know several other people who do as well who score high on the gift of service. And I'm thankful for those individuals because, I mean, you may have to hit me over the head with a, with a wooden board and I still wouldn't see it, but they can see it. They can, then they can point it out and get things done in that, in that area. Those are the ones that have the gift of service and they have the gift of, uh, uh, of delegation and organization and <laughs> and and volun drafting people. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I heard that you're <laughs> yep, you're available. You're coming with me. Yeah. Uh, been around those ones many a time. <laughs> so what is the gift of teaching? 
Well, and th- this one's the easy one to describe. Uh, this is this is an individual uh, who in, who is able to obtain uh, a great deal of information and able to communicate it in a clear, concise manner to to other people. Now, I usually score whenever I take spiritual gift in, gifts inventories. Uh, I usually score higher in this area. Now, but here again, using my wife as an example, she'll be the first to tell you she's not a teacher. And I tell you, I tell you exactly why I know she's not a teacher. And it's not that she can't teach because she can teach really well. But I tell you why I know she doesn't have the gift of teaching. Because one year she volunteered to teach volunteer uh, uh, vacation Bible school. And she did it one day. And then I ended up teaching her class for the rest of the week. So you, so you got voluntold. I got voluntold that week to teach vacation Bible school. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, See that's I mean, that that's that that's that uh, that's that talent service. or that, that service yeah and and of of <laughs> volunteering she saw, saw the need that someone needed to teach this class and so she said hey you 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 do it <laughs> yeah that's exactly what happened so so then what is the what is the gift of exhortation. In many ways, the exhortation is comparable to prophecy. Uh, th- this is uh, someone who is able to exhort, encourage people, to uh, persuade people to, uh, to to make a change in their lives. Some people are far more persuasive than other people are. Uh, some people have dynamic personalities and are able to exhort individuals. Now, I, I am not as dynamic of a person in that sense, but but some people have that exhortation. They can exhort, uh, they can proclaim certain truths in a very f- persuasive manner. Uh, they'll keep you on the edge of your seat. I mean, they could speak for an hour, and it would only seem like a few minutes. Uh, now I've been told that my messages are kind of like ambient. They'll put you to sleep within a few minutes time. But, <laughs> but yeah, that exhortation is that kind of persuasiveness, that uh, ability to exhort certain truths and do so in a persuasive manner. Hmm. So would that be more of like a, um, w- w- let me just kind of back this up to a biblical kind of maybe a biblical, um, personality would that be more of a barnabas or would that be more of a uh like could we say a peter or a paul yeah i would think someone like a paul or even better yet an apollos uh, oh, okay apollos was uh, uh well you have john chrysostom in the uh, uh time of the of the uh of the um Patristics, he was called uh, the golden tongue uh, because he was such an eloquent speaker. Apollos was an, a guy comparable to that, uh, where he was a really much a, a golden a golden tongue speaker. He could mm. do, a, do a really good job. Paul, I mean, from, from what I, way I understand the scriptures, when he talks about Apollos, people were really drawn to Apollos for his 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 mm-hmm. clear, concise exhortation. He was able to really persuasively bring messages because he good. was really good at rhetoric. And Paul, he was more of a theologian, and mm-hmm. he preached. I think I have no doubt in my mind Paul preached wonderful messages, but he, he may not have been as dynamic of a here. speaker. Yeah, he was yeah. more the intellectual. Yeah. Yeah. Apollos uh, was was very persuasive in his mm. speech. So even there, you see, 
And hey, I see China's with us here tonight too. Good to see her with us on Facebook Live. Um, but even there we see, uh, how individuals can have different gifts and abilities used in different means. And it's important mm-hmm. to have, uh, it's, it's important to have both your guys like Apollos and your guys like Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what is the gift of generosity? This is comparable to the gift of uh, service, individuals who love giving. And I'm so thankful for individuals like that. They Mm -hmm. see a need, uh, like the gift of service. They're able to step out. They're able to help out. Uh, But uh, people with generosity, they give abundantly of themselves. Mm -hmm. And this may not only be financial means. It may also mean uh, giving up of their time. Uh, they, They have a heart and compassion for other individuals and they are just, they are constantly giving. Now, if you have the gift of generosity, uh, this also comes with a disclaimer. Caregivers normally take the least care of themselves. And yeah. so this gift has to be used responsibly because you can give and give and give to the point that your tank is empty. Yeah. Uh, it's important to allow the spirit to fill your tank back up. Uh, as you're giving, it's important to uh, also take care of yourself and and mm-hmm. to uh, do some do some self care, spiritual care, mm-hmm. there as well. Well, and I was I was reading through Mark this morning, um, and, and it and it talks in there about how Jesus sent sent the sent his disciples out, but they had they had basically he when he called them back in or when they came back in, he noticed it says in there he noticed that they were um they needed rest they were worn out and he called them to the other side so they went to the other side of the sea of galilee of course they met up with people that saw him going there and it says that they were lost like uh, sheep you know without a without a shepherd so on but but he noticed that they were because of they were they were teaching and preaching and giving out and doing the things that they were doing he noticed that they needed to rest so jesus in that moment even though he sent them out also recognizes that they need rest and it's the same application as we have today it's the spirit that's going to tell us hey you need to take a rest from this and if you don't there, i've seen i've seen preachers and pastors spend 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 all of their all of their just every bit of their own self out to the people and then all of a sudden they come down with a sickness or they come down with certain certain things that they need to take a break it's like god almost hits them with a hard stop okay you need to stop get some rest in in the first couple chapters of mark we even see that jesus himself Yes, needed to take time away. He he went up to the to the hillside by himself. Bless his heart. He, even when he tried to get some rest and get to himself, the disciples are like, "Where's he at? Where's he at? We got to him." It's like, and yep. sometimes I'm thinking he's probably saying, "Guys, I love you, but back off. Give me a few moments." Yep. <laughs> and so I can see him doing that. But but even Jesus himself needed time away to spend alone pray in prayer, uh, to to really commune with the Father and. Um, I th- if if that's if Jesus Himself needed time to rest and recuperate, yeah, so do we. how much more do yeah, we right. need that time to rest and recuperate? Yes, absolutely. That was exactly my point. You know, I mean, Jesus uh, really—he could have just you know done another Mount Sinai and just 
encircled it with cloud and lightning and fire and made everybody stay away. So maybe if he wanted to, he could have done something like that. So, man, I wish I had that power. Wouldn't that be so cool? <laughs> stay away. Aggravate you. You just put a ball of fire around you. And say, stay back. <laughs> uh, so, what is the gift of leadership? Here again, there are individuals who are um, have the gift of, of being good leaders, and being good leaders isn't about telling people what to do. Uh, Jesus gave us the, the best example of a leader, and that's one who leads by example. Uh, Jesus didn't tell us to do anything that he himself did not do. Uh, when he tells mm-hmm. us to love our enemies, forgive them, what did he do on the cross? He said, Father, mm-hmm. forgive them for they know not what they do. He, he's not telling, he doesn't tell us to do anything that he himself, uh, did not do or would not do or couldn't accomplish. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, absolutely. And so the same thing holds true with, with leaders to be a good leader. Uh, I think you first need to be a good follower. You need to follow in the footsteps of Christ. You need to follow in the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's very important. But the gift of leadership is the ability, uh, this administrative ability to, um, to, to task individuals, to guide individuals, shepherd them in the right direction. And, um, I think that's what a good leader is. Do you think that, do you think the gift of leadership also, um, I don't want to say as a package deal comes with, but also has, you you really sh- really kind of have to have or the ability to have the uh, gift of like exhortation and prophecy and almost service just just to be able to do that. Well, I guess it really depends on what type of leader you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with being a pastor of a church, uh, you would certainly need the gift of exhortation and teaching and things of that nature. Uh, and you need you need some of those other abilities, uh, but it's even important as pastors to know our limitations, uh, because we're not going to have all these gifts. And that's where we need to rely on in other individuals in the church who do. Certainly. So if if my gift isn't strong on the area of uh, of of uh, of uh, let's say um, service. You know, may, I may not see the needs of individuals as well as someone else. I'm going to need to rely on that individual who does score high in that area. Sure. Uh, so I don't think it's necessary that we have to have all these issues. Uh, but I think it does help if, if we try to seek to hone that, those crafts and, uh, try to be better at it. Yeah. But I, and I, sure. but I guess it really just depends on what form of leadership you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the gift of mercy then? People with a gift of mercy are individuals who um, are, are, de- are definitively saints. All, all of these individuals we're talking about who hold these spiritual gifts are saints. But there are certain people who have compassion unlike others. Um, these individuals are, are, are non-judgmental. And they, they have compassion on individuals who may have fallen. They have love and compassion, uh, for, for others. You know, some of us may be quick to judge and quick to rule someone else out, but the person who scores high in the gift of mercy is going to say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, let's not be too hasty Mm -hmm. in this. I mean, they, they fail. They messed up, but let's, let's, let's try to help them out instead of casting them out. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, 
I'm so thankful for those individuals mm-hmm. who have the gift of mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're truly saints. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yep. So let's uh, let's just jump into the next one. Let's consider the spiritual gifts um, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 4 through 11. Um, I'll go ahead and read that, get that started off, and then we'll jump in. So, uh, so 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits and other various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And there again, and you can go on down in verse 12 and following and see where Paul talks about the importance uh, that we all hold uh, to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. We are all uh, very important in in this uh, ministry. We, we need each other. Um, and all these gifts, as you noted, come from God. They come from the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. And so that's that's a very important thing for us to remember as we go through this. Mm-hmm. So then what is the gift of wisdom then? The gift of wisdom or knowledge, uh, the knowledge is our next gift. I'm just going to go ahead and talk about both of these together because, quite frankly, a lot of times people get them confused. Yep. The gift of knowledge is the uh, attainment of wisdom. Um, excuse me, not attainment of wisdom, the attainment of knowledge, of information. So, uh, it, it's to read through material, to absorb in, information, and even to be able to absorb a great deal of, of information. Um, that's the gift of knowledge. It's more about learning things and about maintaining and retaining, uh, those, that, that information. The gift of wisdom, however, is a little bit different. The gift of wisdom is is the knowledge and knowing how to act ethically and how to make good decisions in complicated scenarios. Uh, knowledge is is a it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, but but it, it's also given by reading and learning and and um, and just just again retaining information. Wisdom is is. It just it comes from God. It's that spiritual ability to be able to discern, make good decisions, to uh, to seek the moral good, to follow after the ways of God, mm-hmm. and that's where those distinctions come come in. Um, yep. If that makes sense, I hope it does make yep. sense. But <laughs> yep. Yeah, kind of uh, in in cowboy theory. Then it's. Uh, it's uh, knowledge is uh, remembering what your granddaddy taught you, and wisdom is uh, knowing who to spend the time to uh, share the share that knowledge with. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, cowboy. So what, yeah, yeah. So, what is the <laughs> gift of faith? The gift of faith is the gift of trust. 
Um, you know, there are some, I, I'll give an example. Um, John Wesley. Yeah, they do. <laughs> is that, that, that ability to trust God in the most mm-hmm. difficult of circumstances. John Wesley, uh, came, I, th- I can't remember if he was coming from England to Georgia or if he was leaving Georgia for England. I think he was going to Georgia from mm-hmm. England and they were caught up in a massive storm. I wouldn't doubt that it was a hurricane that they went across. I mean, the ship, they didn't know if the ship was going to be able to hold itself together or not. It was just a horrible, horrible storm. Mm. And everyone in the ship, the English, they were, they were all franicking. They were just running back and forth, screaming and hollering and asking Wesley to pray for them. He was praying for him and he was all amped up. <laughs> it was just insane. But then he goes into a room and finds a completely different scenario in this other room was a whole host of German Moravians, mm-hmm. and they were perfectly content. I mean, there were young kids there, and there were senior citizens there, and everyone in between. They were perfectly content. They said, if it's God's desire and will for us to, to leave this world, we're ready. And if it's not, even better. Uh, that's good, too. So he was inspired by their amazing level of faith and the Lord convicted him over that. I mean, here he says, you know, he was thinking, here I am a preacher and here I'm panicking with these other people. But here <laughs> these folks are. They are just perfectly calm, cool and collected, trusting in the sovereign will of God. That's the gift of faith, being able to trust God with with seemingly impossible circumstances, having that calmness. As you were mentioning a while ago, the uh, gift of patience, I think that falls into the gift of faith uh, because they're not really easily rattled. Uh, they're trusting God no matter what happens, and they give him their whole lives. And, uh, I mean, that's what all of us should be doing, but there's just some people who have that uncanny ability to trust God no matter the circumstances. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I was listening um, actually the other day. Um, uh, Jace Robertson, um, they have a podcast that uh, it's called Unashamed, and uh, and he was talking about this particular thing, the gift of faith. Uh, he says, you know, that really comes out um, when uh, uh, you, you get on the plane and uh, you're you're halfway through the flight, and all of a sudden they're saying they have to make uh, a emergency landing because of some sort of uh, malfunction in the plane. And he says, you really start seeing people's, uh, quote unquote faith come out that they, uh, <laughs> that they then, um, are aspiring to be the new, the latest, uh, prayer people, prayer warriors. And, and he just kind of, kind of sits there and observes it. He said, and they just, uh, it's a unique thing to see, um, you know, all the time before, uh, you would have never known or would never guess that they were, uh, believers, but all of a sudden there it is. So, Absolutely. So what is the gift of healing then? Gift of healing uh, is uh, many people believe uh, some some scholars believe the gift of healing is I mean, prayer is is a powerful factor in this. But healing comes in different manners. Uh, Healing can be physical healing. It can be spiritual healing. It can be emotional healing. Uh, There are some individuals. I mean, goodness, our nurses and CNAs, our doctors, what what a blessing they are, uh, quite honestly. 
our, our nurses and CNAs, the stuff that they put up with, the stuff that they do to help someone in need is just remarkable. Not everybody has that gift. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, listen, I appreciate our CNAs. Seeing what they do, I just don't have that gift. I'm just telling you. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Real quickly, I don't have that gift. Uh, but they do. And, and thank the Lord that there are individuals like our CNAs and RNs out there able to do what they what they are doing and they provide that physical healing obviously healing ultimately comes from god but they're facilitating um the 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 healing that comes about i think you could even talk about counselors in this aspect individuals who are able to talk people Mm -hmm. off down off a cliff talk people down off a building ledge um to help people in their time of need that's a gift that's an ability and, and, and of course, spiritual counseling is a gift and ability. Uh, that's part of that gift of healing we could even talk about as well. Um, but it's a spiritual gift. It is a spiritual gift given by God. Not everybody has that ability. Not everybody has that compassion to be able to help someone who's sick and afflicted. Um, we, we have – working in chaplaincy ministry, I've been introduced to some wonderful, wonderful nurses, CNAs, doctors – uh, nurse practitioners uh, even had a chance to eat uh, lunch with a good friend of mine today who's a nurse practitioner uh, she does a wonderful wonderful job and that's a calling i'm telling you that's a calling and so um the gift of healing um i think that would include those those aspects as well and i also consider the gift of healing to be somebody that actually has a um a specified gift that that they they actually can walk up to somebody and recognize um maybe maybe even just uh you know downloaded from the holy spirit but be able to recognize that they have that that person they're coming up to has some sort of ailment or something that 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 they can basically speak over and and actually provide that not that they do the healing but that they're a conduit from the holy spirit to do the healing I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. Um, now, as we move through through these, to let everybody know that uh, the, the beautiful thing about this podcast is that we're coming from two different traditions. I'm, I'm ordained Baptist, and Curtis, you come from the Assemblies of God tradition, and mm-hmm. two wonderful denominational groupings. And quite honestly, as we say all the time, the most important thing is we're children of Christ. Right. Uh, but, but having said that, I, th- I think you're right. I think when we talk about the gift of healing, it's individuals being conduits of God, whether that be through a prayer prayed, uh, some, uh, laying on of hands, as you were talking about, or being a, a facilitator, providing uh, medicines and treatment, uh, understanding that the ultimate healer is God mm-hmm. working through the medicine mm-hmm. and things of that nature. One one song that has really touched me over the years is a song by by Brandon Heath, and it, the song title is "Give Me Your Eyes." Give me your eyes so I can see the hurting. Give me the eyes so I can give me your eyes so I can see the ones in need. Give me your eyes so I could just just for a moment. Give me your eyes so I can see. I I love that song, but I also fear that song because if we had God's eyes for just a moment, I think it would scare the daylights out of us. Oh yeah, I, I really do. Yep. It it may scare us, but it would it may also melt our hearts. True. Yep. True. Very true. Because I think with the insight of God, God sees the pain we're going through. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when we see a person on the street, we, we see the exterior, and maybe the person's having a bad day. Maybe the person's going through a difficult time. And mm-hmm. so we may be quick to cast judgment on that individual, but God is able to see every little detail of their lives, uh, the yeah. hurts, the pains, yeah. the, the experiences they've gone mm-hmm. through. Maybe they're in a, in a bad relationship or maybe they're, they're, they've just have a lot of pressures on them in life. God is able to see that. And I think if we could catch a glimpse of individuals through the eyes of God, even but a moment, I think it would break our hearts to see what people are going through or pe- what and, people are walking through. And that's one of the that's one of the true factors of why Christianity is so much different and true to any other uh, quote unquote religion that's out there because we actually have a god that it, it, that came and actually functioned as one of us was able to see hear and interact with our own pain and what we what we take part in and was able to then become the first fruits from the grave that's that's the glorious part of it it's powerful it's a powerful truth yeah so what is the gift of miracles then Gift of miracles is comparable to the gift of healings, but this is uh, this is praying for God to move in a mighty way, um, and and God hears. It's, it's I guess a good way of putting it. There are some people. It seems like whenever they pray, it's like it autom- I mean, We all know when we pray, it goes from our mouths to the <laughs> yeah. from our lips yeah. to the ears of God. But yeah, but these guys have like a fast track people, right to God's door, right? Some people have his email. <laughs> I yeah. mean, some people have his personal email where it's like they type an email message and bam, it's done. I mean, yeah, that's true. Like, that's true. But just just some people have that gift and ability that yeah. um, that that things seem to get done, and um, and so I would compare that with the gift of miracles. And folks, again, if you deny that miracles exist. Go pick up some of the works of Craig Keener. He lists out hundreds of modern modern examples of how God has been mm-hmm. continuously doing miracles even in modern times. Yeah, yeah. So we've already talked about prophecies. We'll just move on to the next one. What is uh, what is the gift of discernment? Oh, this is such an important important gift. Discernment. I think I, is... I, think I suffer from that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a blessed man, Curtis, if that's the case. <laughs> Discernment is being able to see through things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing to me how people can be so easily duped. Mm-hmm. But it's very difficult to dupe a person who has a gift of discernment mm-hmm. because it's almost like they have the gift and ability to see an individual for who they are. Uh, they're, they're able to discern certain patterns, discern certain movements mm-hmm. and be able to see the, the inner motives of what's going on, uh, behind those, behind those movements. Uh, this isn't a gift that everybody has, uh, but it's a, such an important gift in our day and time, uh, to have this gift of discernment, to be able to see, um, what God tells us and to be able to discern what's right and wrong, to discern the things that's coming down the pipe, the things that's coming across mm-hmm. on media, uh, on our popular media today, to be able mm-hmm. to discern whether or not that's true or not. The, those with the gift of discernment are able to much better discern what is true than those who don't. Mm-hmm. And th- that's why in many ways those who have the gift of discernment are kind of like our sheepdogs. 
mm-hmm. uh, they are they are uh, cry, crying when they see a wolf, and they're they're able to stave off the wolf before it gets to the sheep. Right. Uh, if if you know a person that's got the gift of discernment, you really want to make good friends with that individual because yeah. you really just definitely need that person in your life. Yeah, yeah, I've been told. I've been told too far too many times um, that uh, that that I'm uh, I'm a very discerning individual. I, uh, I I I'm and and here's and here's part of it. Um, I'm skeptical of everybody and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 partially just a it's a curse but a blessing all at the same time. Um, but a healthy dose of skepticism's never hurt anybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, God tells us in his word that we test every spirit. We test everything. We test it's everything to his word. And 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 we ask and seek the wisdom as we as we walk our steps. And I think hmm, the gift of discernment, it's um it's not an easy one, uh, because it's hard to explain to somebody when uh, it's hard to explain to people when you sense something that is not right and you're saying, hey, I probably shouldn't probably wouldn't want to go down this road. Probably wouldn't want to do this certain thing. Um, and, and they'll they'll ask why. And there's a lot of times I don't have the reason why. I, I just don't have the reason why. Yeah. But and and it's a supernatural um Almost a divine impression. I call them divine mm-hmm. impressions. It's not like God speaks in an audible voice, but mm-hmm. sometimes He gives us those, those divine impressions or that gut instinct that there's something not wrong, not right, mm-hmm. and um, and so we, we really need to heed mm-hmm. uh, to those impressions that God gives us. Yeah. Yep. So here we are. Let's get to this one. This is going to open up another can of worms, like we did last episode. So. <laughs> Now, let, let is, me repeat. Let me repeat before you go over this. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember we come from two different traditions: uh, the Baptist and the Assemblies of God. So, go ahead, shoot, Curtis. <laughs> what is the gift of tongues? Well, why don't you give the Assembly of God interpretation first, and I'll give the Baptist interpretation. Well, the gift of tongues. Technically, and I can't, I, I, I can't remember the official position. And I apologize, folks. I didn't look it up. I just got off the road an hour ago, hour and a half ago. So, for for me to just pull it off of the out of the out of the air, we'll, we'll, have, we'll forgive you. You were yeah, doing like what yeah. eighty miles an hour to get that. Hey, I I'm not gonna say I did or didn't break the speed limit. So, I'm not, <laughs> let's just say. Let's just say the cow's hairs when we were hauling them back is all blown in one direction, so we're good to go. <laughs> so, but anyway, the gift of tongues now is not only is it a gift of speaking in a a, a unknown language or a language that is known i shouldn't shouldn't have said unknown language but uh, speaking a language that is known to somebody else but not to the person giving the tongue the other tongue is a tongue uh, of edification of um either the church or an edification of the person um prayer language etc those are the things that that kind of develop out of that. So there are two types that the that that the AG um, focuses on. 
See, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that there were two different versions that the AG Church held to. That's 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 really interesting. Now, the Baptist tradition is uh, more cut and dry. Uh, they they believe that the gift of tongues uh, is is talking more about the gift of languages, and uh, so that's that's generally speaking the uh, the Baptist. Uh, tradition you know uh, where where it's believed that um well and quite honestly i do believe whenever the first time that it's it's delivered that it's a situation where god miraculously moved in and through uh the individuals there at pentecost and was able to allow people to understand in their own languages and tongues but um you know that's the baptist that's the baptist tradition uh you coming from the baptist tradition so we give the two different sides there uh, the Baptist side, the AG side, and so uh, we'll let individuals well, uh, come up I, with their own interpretation. I want to give I want to give a little bit of a story here. This is kind of a really it's it's a story that is true, and it came from a person who um, went to school in a Baptist uh, seminary, but is a uh, um, believer in tongues and also um, is actually taking part in the AG church. Now, a good friend of mine, he had a gal that was um, in their church, been coming to their church. Um, She was an Oriental gal and she had been coming to church and she finally, um, she, she gave her life to Christ and so on and so forth through the church. And a year later, her parents came from overseas were not believers, came from overseas and were in a church service with them. They were sitting there. They couldn't speak a lick of English. The preaching was going on, and um, the preacher felt like he needed to stop and pause. So he asked, he says, I'm pausing here for a minute, and I, I sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, saying that, he, that, that somebody here has a, uh, a, a, a word for, uh, for the church. And all of a sudden, another guy broke out in a tongue, completely unknown to anybody there in the room. And he said, you could you turn around and you could look back and you could see the eyes of her parents were as big as bottles, bottle, bottom bottle of glass bottles, were just sitting there um, with their eyes huge, listening to this. And when it was all said and done, Gabe did that. There was no interpretation. The preacher went on his way, finished the sermon. When it was all said and done, that that gal, the one that gave her life to Christ, been going to church, came up to the preacher and my friend and started talking to them and said, my parents, in their own language, heard what you were preaching, what what about, about Christ, about what he did on the cross, what needs to, you know, so on and so forth. So it, it has been something that, that continues, I feel, today. That's the kind of stuff that's happening. You're seeing it happen across overseas now. You're happen, mm-hmm. happening to see uh, um, in the Muslim world, you're happening to see the Holy Spirit speaking to them in dreams and in, uh, in other languages, getting a message across to them. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So the Lord is reaching I mean, people in ways we can't even imagine. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> there we are. So, uh, what is the gift of interpretation? So we gave both sides. So we we, we yeah. let the listeners decide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what is the gift of interpretations of tongues? Well, that again depends on how you view it. Uh, so, uh, you know, if if you uh, hold that it's a um, um, language, you know, if in the Baptist tradition, then it would be. Uh, interpreting those languages. If you believe that it's uh, a spiritual gift uh, given where God is speaking through uh, individuals, um, then then that person would be able to interpret that message given uh, to uh, given by God to that individual. So there again, it just depends on how you view tongues and uh, how you view the gift uh, that God is doing. Mm-hmm. And to clear, it would clear as much. Yeah. <laughs> so it would follow our, the AG understanding or the AG um, uh, official position would be more in line with somebody's going to give up, get up and, and give a tongue. Um, and let me just say this. The Holy Spirit will never uh, be out of order. It will he will never um, uh, subvert the preaching or the teaching of Jesus Christ. He will hmm. always be prior or or aft of it and and actually give a uh, a tongue that's what that's kind of what you're what we're i'm kind of trying to lead that into so we don't have this people people thinking that it's just going to just a free-for-all everywhere because paul gives us plenty of um plenty of direction plenty of uh of correction in many of his epistles here so but yeah, and and that's an important disclaimer to give there, uh, Curtis, because I have uh, not only you but other friends who are part of the Pentecostal movement who who say that that there that if tongues are used that it must be given in an orderly fashion, yeah. and um, so yeah. again to be fair, like I said, we come from different traditions. We give the we give the Baptist side, we give the AG side, and so mm-hmm. uh, we we allow our uh, listeners. I think that's the beautiful thing with the way we're doing it. We're yeah. giving people the opportunity to pray over it and seek the Lord's will and yeah. see how they interpret. Yeah. So then let's talk about the gifts uh, and offices mentioned in Ephesians four. Ephesians four. Let me pull that up. Ephesians four eleven. Okay, Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. I'm going down to uh, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing in maturity with the stature measured in by Christ's fullness. So we're looking more at gifts and offices uh, in this passage of scripture, right. So, what is what is the office and gift of apostleship, and is the office still operating today? Well, there again depends on how you interpret uh, the office. Uh, the gift of if if you take the word apostle as is meant in the New Testament church then the gift couldn't continue uh, because the gift of apostleship in the New Testament church required someone to have seen the risen Jesus or to have personally known uh, the historical Jesus and then passing along his message to future generations. But uh, it's often believed that the apostolos, as is mentioned in Greek, is the one who is sent 
may very well refer to missionary activities. Uh, and if that's the case, then the gift of apostleship has continued because uh, people are ambassadors of Christ, sending out the message to other people who haven't heard. So in in, in many ways, uh, these are like your foreign missionaries going to different lands, going to people who've never heard the gospel before and preaching and teaching the message of Christ mm-hmm. uh, to to individuals in different areas. So if you look at apostleship and the in the method, uh, methodology of being a missionary, then you could probably say that that uh, office has continued uh, by our by our modern day missionaries. So what you're saying is potentially even um, church planters, um, um, people that go out and can actually organize, um, yeah. organize that's people together. Gift. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, another gift. Go. There you go. So we mentioned the gift of prophecy. What is the office or role in the New Tef- New Testament prophet? So I think what Paul is probably mentioning here is one who is proclaiming a message of God. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. when we preach on Sunday mornings, we're mm-hmm. hoping that we're fulfilling the message of a prophet, that we're hearing a message of God and proclaiming it to the people uh, who were there in, in attendance that day. So uh, I, I would if if the office continues today, it would be in that fourth telling role. That's not to say that God can't give us a message about something to come. I know of experienced things in my life where he gives premonitions of things to come and just so happens they, well, you know what, it comes true. So, but I think that, uh, the, the office of the modern day prophet, so to speak, is one who is more the forth teller and in many ways would be like your modern day preachers, uh, individuals proclaiming, uh, the message of God. They, they, they understand the message from scripture. They understand it from the Lord and they're passing on that information, uh, to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, here's here again, we have um, we have kind of a stain on the on the the eye of the church right now with, you know, um, with a lot of prophecy that was going on regarding the elections and Trump and so on and oh, so forth. Yeah, yeah. But but it still doesn't take away the fact that there are people that have a prophetic voice that can actually speak um, future events that could actually um, help us help us then be able to discern, help us then be able to be in the right position, steer in the right way, etc. True, the Lord, the Lord is he, he can do anything he chooses, can he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So hey, how about the... this? Uh, before as we're moving on, looking at our live feed, we've got some folks from India. Uh, who are joining Whoa. us on the live feed. So how about that? <laughs> Hello to our friends from India. So what is the gift and role of evangelism then? So the evangelist is an individual who brings the message of Christ to those who are lost, uh, to those who want to hear about the grace of God, and uh, they have that gift and ability to strike up conversations with individuals in this area and uh, lead people to Christ. Uh, yeah. um Oh, let me just say our friend from India says it's actually morning there. It's evening here. It's morning there. So good morning to our friends from India. Uh, let me just say that. <laughs> but but getting back to the topic, uh, uh, but yeah, this is the gift of evangelism, sharing the gospel of Christ with uh, uh, individuals who, mm-hmm. who don't know him. Yeah. So, so then what is the gift uh, and role of pastor or shepherd? 
the pastor shepherd very important role at that uh, this is we see in our churches uh, this is an individual who fills the role of an in, of uh, of of caring for the people under under their watch care um this is a person who um who um who tries to build up the body uh, encouraging the body caring for the needs of the body um, unfortunately, in our time, uh, modern-day visitation has declined, and I think that's a tragic, tragic thing because we need to visit our people. We need to build relationships with the people we we um, we see. We need to, uh, um, to to be able to be there for individuals, to guide them in spiritual truth, and to uh, and to truly um, help them, and and really invest our lives in in the people in our congregation. So. That's a shepherd. And by the way, one more thing here. We've got a friend from Nepal. So we are, we have gone international, uh, with our live feed. We've got uh, folks from India wow. and Nepal, uh, and, and, and right here in the United States as well. So how about that? Wow. Wow. So let me just kind of stop, pause here and break this down. Maybe, maybe even a little bit more. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for. I'm all for small town churches with small town pastors that that come and visit, play baseball with us, you know, do all of those things. But there are many people that listen to this podcast or or are part of the church, the Big C Church, that take part in um, you could call mega churches. Now, some churches, some mega churches or larger churches, you could say, have a uh, pastor. That's an overall pastor. And then down below, he may have pastors that maybe form community groups that then yes. report back to that single pastor. And he helps helps them uh, with spiritual needs or whatever, and then could possibly go down each branch of that or whatever to visit with those certain people. I think that's important. Now, when you get into certain types of churches where the pastor then becomes untouchable and you can't get to him, then that's not a pastor. That to me is more of a, um, a speaker. It's a, it's a celebrity. It becomes yeah. a celebrity is what it becomes. Yeah. And you're, but you're right. And, and there's even a push. I, I have a friend of mine who, uh, recently met who's part of an Anglican church and, um, they have an interesting model in that church. They will grow to a certain number. And when it reaches a certain number and surpasses that, the 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 pastor will say we need to split split the church up and grow another one. And what they wow. do is they reach a certain level. Let's say let's say two hundred people. I don't know what the number is. Let's say if they hit two hundred, they said okay, we've got enough to create another church. So let's go plant another church over here, grow that church, continue growing this one. And what they're doing is they're multiplying their church. Sure. Sure. So I mean. But 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 I, I have no problem with mega churches. But I do think if you are part of a mega church, you're absolutely right, Curtis. You need to have other pastors caring for the members of the flock. And I think at last at last, if memory serves, I think that the number that, that has been thrown out there is that one person can only look after about a hundred people. And once you get out, you know beyond a hundred people, you'd probably need to get another pastor 
to come help. And for every hundred people, you need a pastor if possible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work that way. It may be that one pastor can minister to the needs of, uh, of a few hundred, but generally speaking, about one person can manage a hundred. I've even heard some estimates to say that if you're going to do it right, you really need one person for every 50 people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it is interesting that in chaplaincy ministry, they do try to limit one chaplain to 50 people. Uh, wow. I, I have found that, wow. I have found that interesting. But, uh, because mm. if you generally get much beyond that, now, I mean, that's, it's not a, it's not a fail proof, uh, thing because sometimes you may get more, you may get less. But I do find that interesting that it's generally held that about 50 people to one person. But generally speaking in church ministry, I think the, the, the common number that's given is about a hundred to one person. Hmm. Interesting. So we already mentioned the, the gift of teaching. So let's, what is the role of the Christian teacher then? It's, it, it really falls in line. I mean, really, really there's no need to expound on that, you know, much more than we already have. Uh, the, the gift of teaching is a person who has the, the ability and the gift of obtaining information, uh, passing along that information in a clear, concise manner so that people can understand. One of the, one of, I was blessed the other night because on Wednesday nights we've been going through the book of Daniel and someone came to me after the service and says, Brian, you make it so clear for us that we can understand it. Even though this is complicated, you make yeah. it so clear for us that 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 meant the world to me because quite honestly that means that I'm doing my job because right. that's what we need to be doing we don't need to we don't necessarily need to show ourselves to be super intelligent we need yeah. to make it understandable for everybody who's sitting there in the congregation that's what teaching effective teaching is all about yeah awesome yeah and i when i'm talking with the like my family or i'm talking with friends or or a group of people i try to i try to make it about a, a kind of a common conversation, maybe something that we had talked about or something that we could talk about and, and keep it in that level to where um, it makes them, makes them understand in an engagement way to where they can, where they can feel like they're um, taking part in something. And I've had people say that, uh, that the way, the way that I've taught it or talked to them or taught them is, is such a way that they can hold on to that truth and then basically put that in their back pocket and be able to say, okay, now I understand that. And I honestly think a lot of that has kind of come from, you know, basically rubbed off of you and, and understanding and listening. And that's what this whole podcast is about is because, you know, we're taking the things of, of high theology, high, high understandings and bringing it down to where we can actually have a, a, a discussion at a, at a normal level where we can break these words up, break these ideas, break these thoughts up and, 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 and put it through uh, a bit of a filter. You need to throw your hat through the screen so I can put it on my head so my head don't grow. Yeah. <laughs> put that cheese head up there. I see it up there on top of that bookcase. And this is true. My, my cheese has grown moldy this year. The Packers look horrible. <laughs> that's just that's just your football team. <laughs> so finally, uh, let's um, speak about the two gifts listed in First Peter four four through four eleven. Um, I'll go ahead and read that real quick, and then uh, we'll jump in. So let's go here, folks. First Peter four verse eleven. 
Uh, let's, let me back up to verse 10, just so we can kind of get a, a jump start here at this. So, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who see serves by the strength that God supplies in order in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever amen amen a little bit of catholic almost started coming out right there in me it was like amen <laughs> Just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> We've done gone to Gregorian Cants. How about that? Yep. <laughs> or Chance. I think Cants. Yep. Chance. I'll get it out in a minute. Too yep. late. <laughs> yep. So, what is the gift of speaking then? You know, here again, I think you kind of, uh, there's kind of a little bit of an o- overlap here. I think, uh, when you talk about speaking, you're talking about individuals who are able to communicate. Uh, this could also talk about, uh, the whole gift of uh, teaching. Uh, the, those two kind of go hand in hand. So, uh, so be, a person who has the ability to accurately and, and, uh, clearly communicate to other individuals. Hmm. So then what is the gift of service? We've already kind of talked about this, but I mean, yeah. Peter kind of maybe maybe kind of talks a little bit about the same thing, right? Yeah, it's basically the same gift. Uh, there's a little overlap there as well. Yeah, the gift of service, as we mentioned before, uh, this is the uncanny ability that some people have uh, to be able to see the needs of others more than other people. And as I mentioned at the uh, outset of the podcast, for those who may have just joined us, uh, I was talking about the uh, the gift my wife has of service. Uh, that she can see the needs of individuals far more than I can. Uh, again, you might hit me in the head with a, with a, with a board and I still wouldn't see it, but she could see it. And then, um, but then again, like a size of that head. Well, yeah, it might break the board. (laughs) (laughs) You have to buy a brand new board after that. (laughs) Hardwood. Make sure it's not a board that you really want to keep. Uh, so then considering the primary topic of first uh, Corinthians 12, um, uh, let's go ahead and you want to read that. That's fine. Um, well, I just, I will go ahead and give the, since we're running low on time, I'll go ahead yeah. to give the synopsis of it. It's, this is the passage of scripture where, uh, Paul talks about how we're all needed. Uh, you, you know, a body needs eyes, it needs a tongue, it needs ears, it needs uh, hands, it needs feet, it needs the okay. different functions. And there's a reason why God has given us all different gifts and abilities. I think there's also a reason why God has allowed there to be so many different churches mm-hmm. that exist. Not every church is, is meant to reach everyone. Uh, some, some churches are built to reach certain demographics, whereas other churches are meant to, uh, reach other demographics. But the beautiful thing about it is, is that we're all going to come together at one point in time, uh, when Christ calls us home, where we're part of that, uh, that, uh, new creation church, where we're all going to be worshiping in one spirit, um, in, in one heart, one mind, one accord, and, all these denominational differences, and we've had fun with this tonight, <laughs> Curtis. You come from the AG side. I come from the Baptist side. We yep. talk about the 
quite honestly, we agree more than we differ. There are a few little sure. areas of differences. But the beautiful thing about this is, is that these denominational differences won't exist in heaven. We'll exist as just the body of Christ. And so every person matters. Every person's gifts and abilities matter to the Lord. He gave those gifts to us. We need to know what those gifts are, and we need to use those gifts That's to the right. glory and honor of Christ. That's right. And, you know, here's here's the most uh, glorious thing, Brian, is we will be joining the angels in heaven singing, mm-hmm. holy, holy, holy. Ain't that just amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there it is, folks. Uh, we just want to thank you here, uh, Bellator Christi, um, f- for spending this time together with us. And we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and has become a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Until next time, Brian and I say, Stay on, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, go to bellatorchristie.com. This is Dr. Brian Chilton of the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is a Theology Moment. The minimal facts argument by Gary Habermas has received considerable attention these days. Many argue that the minimal facts argument is no longer a feasible method for arguing for the resurrection of Jesus. Some claim that the minimal facts argument cannot establish the resurrection of Jesus alone. However, no one has ever claimed that the minimal facts argument is the only way to argue for the resurrection of Jesus. It is most certain that other maximal fact arguments could be used to argue for the resurrection of Jesus alongside the minimal facts facts argument. But it is built upon the foundation of facts so credible that even skeptical scholars have to admit their credibility. Skeptics of the minimal facts argument claim that the argument doesn't really prove the resurrection of Jesus, but this is not the case. The minimal facts argument holds that the disciples had experiences which led them to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. When coupled with their their miraculous transformation, even those of former skeptics such as James and Paul, along with the early preaching of the risen Jesus, and that at least 75% of scholars today hold to the empty tomb, and one really has a strong case for the resurrection of Jesus from the minimal facts argument. There is a reason why Dr. Gary Habermas is one of the world-leading experts on the resurrection of Jesus, and his minimal facts argument is part of why he is trusted by so many. So in my assessment, the minimal facts argument worked when Habermas developed it, the minimal facts argument still works today, and it will continue working in the future. At least this is my take. 
This has been Dr. Brian Chilton with a Theology Moment right here on the Bellator Christie Podcast.